This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Chase, Walter, dude, that that was a good podcast. Yeah, that was, it was a good a, podcast. It was a the good podcast, podcast you're the podcast you're about to listen to, guys. We're talking about it in the past tense because for us, we've already recorded it. But welcome to the show. My name is Walt. I'm your host, and I'm joined by my lovely the 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 face of this podcast because I've got the face for for audio. <laughs> Chase Prince, dude, how you doing tonight, buddy? Oh man, I'm doing great. I just got a little. Uh... Some extra knowledge now on some kayak bass fishing and just kayaks in general. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from the man, the the the, well, the saddle man, Greg Godfrey, <laughs> that we just had yeah. on. So it was kind of funny that we had a uh, the saddle <laughs> hunting <laughs> specialist on for kayak yeah. bass fishing, but uh, he he wears many hats and he likes to be outdoors. Right. Right. Well, and I think it's kind of cool. First off. How do you like about being thrusted into being the model of Chasing Tales, like the the, the face? I just threw that on. Oh you. man, it's it's awesome. It's it's, it's an honor. Work on that. Work on work on those abs. It's dude. an work honor to abs. be the face of of this company. <laughs> I've really been working hard. Uh, genetics, <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> genetics, and I'd like to thank my parents. <laughs> I'd like to thank my mom. <laughs> oh man, no, it, it was cool, man. In all seriousness, uh, the Godfather of saddle hunting. That's what I when I think of Greg, I think of I, that's what I think of him. And um, you want to talk about a guy that just he's super humble, but get the, the dude knows more than he's ever gonna lay, uh, lead on. Oh yeah, no doubt, he's a, a, a really humble individual, and. He also he knows a lot about uh, the outdoors, which is uh, awesome. So it was great having him on the podcast this week. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, 
Well, let's let's thank the people that made this this podcast and our passion possible, and then we'll get right into it, guys. As always, the title sponsor Chasing of Chasing Tales Outdoors is Wild Edge Inc. They make the simplest, lightest, most effective way to climb any tree while you're deer hunting or if you're hanging trail cameras. It it turns out awesome photos if you hang your trail camera from uh, from above, angled down. The, the pitch is perfect. Go to wildedgeinc.com and use the promo code ChasingTales10. That's ChasingTales, T-A-L-E-S, one zero to save $15 on any set of steps. And guys, as always, the Sportsman's Alliance is out there fighting for our right to hunt and fish. And there are bills out there right now. This is the legislative cycle. There are bills out there that they are actively fighting all the way down to the very end, and they need your help. So if you would like to, to join the Sportsman's Alliance, the, the organization that's fighting the legislation that's trying to stop your outdoor passions, go to the sportsmansalliance.com. Join today. They've got a 95% success ratio when they have to litigate these items, and that's an incredibly efficient uh, and effective way of keeping us outside. So um, I don't think I've missed anything. If not, you want to go ahead and let them listen. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to Greg's uh, podcast. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy. Guys, we have a legend in our mix tonight. We have got a, a YouTube, an outdoor freaking legend. I am thrilled tonight to introduce to you the guy that got me into saddle hunting, uh, a good friend of mine that uh, put me on some awesome bass fishing in southeast Georgia. We've got the one, the only G2 Outdoors, a.k.a. Greg, Greg Godfrey. God, I messed your name up and you're a legend. How you doing, buddy? Man, I'm great. Uh, I wish you would tell the truth, though. And just that <laughs> I'm just a, a regular dude that when I took you fishing, I don't think we really caught crap. I think we caught like three or four little small fish, but uh, it was sure fun doing it. But yeah, man, I'm far from legend status. That is for sure. Well, if we're counting addictions, you've uh, got me addicted to Hobie kayaks, good uh, saddle hunting, good um, YouTube. The idea of having a YouTube channel, I, I'm, good. I'm constantly fantasizing about that. So uh, it might be best off that I just you know end this podcast here before you add any more expensive hobbies to this list. It could be worse, man. You could be <laughs> you could be dealing with things like hooker and hookers and blow. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> You know, fishing and kayaks and saddle hunting, it could be way worse. Oh, God. There's got to be a way we can turn that into a shirt. It could be worse. It could be hookers and blow. I don't know. There's something to that. Well, yeah. Guys, I, I'm sure that all of our listeners know who is on the phone. They know who you are. But, you know, sometimes we've got guys that fish, and sometimes we've got guys that hunt, and sometimes we've got guys that are just – all they do, their, their social media is limited to, uh, you know, friends and family, so they may not know who you are. Would you do us a favor and give everybody kind of a brief intro as to who you are um, and maybe what got you into the outdoors? Sure, man. I'm So I'm just a, a regular dude, just like all you folks um, listening. Uh, I'm active-duty Army, full-time uh, active-duty Army officer, currently stationed in Fort Stewart, Georgia, here in southeast Georgia. Yeah, so that's, that's what I do all the time, and I, I love – hunting and fishing and everything outdoors and a couple of years ago i started uh, a little i've got a little small youtube channel um, where i kind of catalog some of those adventures mainly focused around kayak fishing and hunting uh, i do a lot of hunting out of my kayak and i'm a big time saddle hunter which those of you that may not know what saddle hunting is it's uh, kind of like a, a cross between 
rock climbing and elevated hunting. So we don't don't use a tree stand. We use a tree saddle. And it's a it's a more efficient way to do it, in my opinion. But yeah, so those are the things that I love to do. Anything outside. Uh, so springtime, I'm chasing the turkeys, even though I haven't been able to do it much this year. Uh, then roll into the, the bass fishing and then the summer, keep keep focusing on bass. And then once the weather starts to cool off, start chasing the whitetails again. Um, so anything that keeps me outside is what I love to do. And thanks for having me on the podcast. Well, I think I don't think I've ever been on your podcast. Have I? I mean, the only time we ever no. did one was when you were on uh, the Saddle Hunter podcast when you came fishing with me. Can that That can't be right, man. I feel like we recorded two that day. I feel like we recorded two because I, I I distinctly remember our significant others being upset with the time that we spent up there at that at having lunch, man. But maybe not. Do you remember that salsa that we got? Oh that peach salsa. That stuff oh was amazing. God, yes, dude. And I'm telling you, the next time I'm in Southeast Georgia, I'm going to pick up a couple more jars and bring you one, dude, because that was just off the chain good. We, we, we went to this like hole in the wall. What would you call it? Like a an American diner? Like that's just. Yeah, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, and and they had this like little gift shop. It was like a it was like a small town Cracker Barrel. They had like this little gift shop area, and then you went in there and you and you ate, and it was probably just for the locals. But dude, they had these jars of pineapple salsa, guys, and it was just insanely good. Yeah, I still talk about that. Anytime we go and get you know we go out with the family and eat mexican food or whatever and i always compare the salsa to that the walt salsa because it was so good yeah no guys we uh the, the episode that greg's talking about is uh we i went up there like last may and uh bass fished with with greg and then uh we recorded an episode for the saddle hunter podcast and you're right we never actually got around i think we ran out of time and i said i'd just do it remotely with you um yeah, we then, did. Because if you remember, <laughs> my wife called. If you remember, I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> no, she called, and I think I had gotten the kitchen pass for like three or four hours yeah, like that yeah. morning. We had a bunch of stuff to do. <laughs> and so we go fishing, and then we stopped and get lunch, and then we record a podcast. And she calls me at the end of the podcast, and she's like, where are you, Greg? I'm like, uh, uh, I'm with Walt. It's his fault. <laughs> yeah, so we had to cut it short yeah, after that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and that was after, like, we were fishing, like, I think, like, the day after I took my CPA exam, too, that day. Yep. So it was, that's uh, right. It was a great relief, man. It was, it was much needed. So, um, yeah, we need that, to do it again. Dude, we're going to. We, we, we've talked about it. Um, we'll tease that up a little later, but, you know, you and I have talked about you know uh, getting getting a big crew together. You, me, Chase, and uh, another podcaster, and a and, and fishing in Georgia. And I think uh, they were talking like Central or West Georgia. Let's do it, man. I'm yeah. I'm up for it. Yeah, I'm, I think it's gonna be great. So uh, yeah, so that was the day I was addicted to Hobie kayaks. Um, still saving up. I've got uh, by my calculator about six and a half years to go. Um. <laughs> it's worth it, man. It's worth that six and a half. Oh year my investment. gosh. Well, the wind picks up, the wind picks up, and I'm sitting here, like, paddling, like, six times and, like, creating, like, movement current into the wind, and then I'd slowly stop, and I'd fish, and I'd try and fish real quick, and Greg's just sitting there, just slowly moving his feet back and forth, like, sitting right where he wanted to be trying to catch a fish. Yep. Well, so. you know, the 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 Hobie is, it's the Cadillac of kayaks. Oh it really God. is. And, yeah. and Cadillac's probably not even the right description. I mean, it's like the Ferrari of kayaks, because it is... It's just the 
best engineered product there is on the market. I mean, I've used several other kayaks and I fish with a lot of guys in, you know, paddle kayaks. Right. And everyone ends up getting a Hobie after a while because it's just the best system there is out there. There are a few other less expensive uh, pedal kayaks versus paddle kayaks. For those that don't know, the Hobie kayaks, you you pedal with your feet. Um, It's got a flipper system. And you don't actually use a, a hand paddle. You just pedal with your feet, and it, that's how you propel the boat. And it is just a superior system, in my hey, opinion. Greg, with that Hobie kayak, is it easy to stand up in those kayaks? Like, is it stable enough to stand up and fish, like if you were um, wanting to sight cast? Yes, without a doubt. Now, I'm a small guy. Um, I'm only five foot seven and 165 pounds. So, uh, it's not, it's really, really easy for me, but the guy that actually got me into kayak fishing, uh, he's a local pro kayak fisherman here in, in Richmond Hill, Georgia, where I live. He lives right down the street from me. His name is Ron champion. He's won the Hobie, um, the Hobie bass. I forget which one, but the, the big, the big bass tournament that Hobie puts on every year up at Kentucky Lake, he's won that. And so he's like a big deal in kayak bass fishing, but the reason I, I bring him up and he, is he's like six, five, probably uh, not. He's probably 300 pounds. Like he's a big dude. He looks like an NFL lineman and he fishes out of the pro angler and has no problem standing up and down in that thing. It's, it's the most stable fishing kayak there is. I, I, I just, I don't even think that's debatable. Oh, that's awesome. I was, well, I was watching, I was actually watching one of your G2 outdoor videos a day and you in that kayak. And I was like, man, he has got that thing decked out. I mean, it looked, it looks super stable, but I, you kept like reaching for stuff in the kayak, and I'm like, "How does he have all that on that kayak?" It was it was crazy how much stuff you actually had on your kayak. Uh, I was really impressed. It's an amazing platform, man. You can do you can do anything you want on that boat. I just I love it so much. It is it is my easily my second favorite piece of gear that I. Oh, have. I was about to say. I think if 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 there's one statement that sums up. Like you as a sportsman, it's like a life around a kayak, dude. You you hunt from your kayak, you fish from your kayak, you camp from your kayak, and it's like your whole world revolves around like how can I manage to include my kayak in, in my outdoor pursuits. You're right, and you know I'm I might have to go back and change my statement. It might be my favorite piece <laughs> of gear that I own because, I mean, I use right. it so much. Uh, like you said, I mean, I, I pretty much use it year round. Um, there's in my opinion, there's no better way to be sneaky when it comes to deer hunting. I mean, I access from the river. I'm not using a motor, so they don't even hear me coming. Not, I don't even actually think deer are that bothered by outboard motors on rivers. I think they're used to it. I don't think it bothers them. But, I mean, I mean I'm even taking that out of the equation. They don't even know that I'm on the river, and then all of a sudden I'm 30 yards in from the, from the riverbank, and uh, anything that comes through there that follows the river, they're, they're going to get shot. <laughs> And, and you, you kill a bunch of stuff. Your videos attest to that, dude, especially there in those little swamps. Um, so today we have talked turkey for almost a month now. Actually, probably a month, month and a half. And we said that we told everybody uh, back in January we were going to start to include some other content. And tonight we're going to kind of take a step in that direction, and I'm excited. We're going to be talking about uh, you know how you kayak fish from a kayak, um, your methods maybe – your worst or best experience. And then you've got an awesome story about when you didn't live in Southeast Georgia and we'll move on to that. Uh, so to, to start this out, 
what is your favorite piece of kayak fishing gear outside of the kayak itself? Ooh, man, that's a tough question. I would probably have to say the um, it's it's an expensive piece, but it makes a big difference for me, and that's the Power Pole Micro, which is a battery operated uh, shallow water anchor. Um, I don't know if you've seen them before or not, but it's oh, yeah. it's an awesome piece of kit. It's it, it's not cheap, but the what it allows you to do is pretty incredible. You can just press a button um, and the shallow water anchor will go down and, and stop you right where you need to be. So if you, you know, if you're fishing beds or if you see, if you come up on a piece of structure that you want to fish and you, you know, you're going to make several casts to it, you can drop that anchor and it'll stop the wind from you know blowing you up into the covers or, you know, what have you. And it's a great piece of kit. I love it. You know, I was just saying, you and I were having a discussion the other day about, you asked me, would you rather have a trolling motor on your kayak or the PowerPole Micro? Uh-huh. And I said the PowerPole Micro because I thought, like, Greg, he's got that foot pedal kayak. And I was like, well, if I could have the foot pedal kayak, I would definitely have the PowerPole Micro in the back because of, like, like you said, the versatility of being able to put that thing down whenever you wanted to. And the other day, or I went out just recently on my kayak, maiden voyage, and got thrown over. I don't even know. I was out saltwater fishing. I got I got hit by a wave or something. I was like, man, if I'd have had that PowerPole Micro on the back of there, that probably wouldn't have happened. So I was wishing I had one of those. Yep, yep. It's a good piece of kit. I mean, there. I I, I actually have pared down my kayak quite a bit. All the stuff that I take when I when I first got into it uh, two years ago. I kind of went overboard and I brought all the stuff out there with me. I mean, I was bringing everything and I've since um, really kind of minimized what I, what I take on the water with me, but that power pole has been with me. It took me first season. I fished with it. I didn't have it. Um, and I realized how much I needed a, an anchor system. And, and uh, I, I mean, I had the, the regular one on a, like a, an anchor trolley where you can, drop the traditional five pound anchor in and then using the anchor trolley on the boat you can place it wherever you need to you know bow or stern and kind of put position yourself in the wind as you see fit but but the the power pole just made so much more sense and i ended up getting it for christmas i asked my my mom uh, my parents my in-laws and my wife to just go in and they all went together and got me the power pole so that was the thing that i wanted the most anyway so let's let's talk about that real quick though, because I look at the power pole and I see a lot of advantages. Obviously, the price is a disadvantage, but that's everything in, in the outdoors. Sometimes some things are just worth paying for, um, and I get that. But so I have an anchor trolley on my kayak, and there are a lot of times where the way the wind is blowing is not conducive to the fa- to the way I want to be fishing, the direction I want to be fishing, or the current, or something like that. And with an anchor trolley, I have the ability to you know shift my focus, shift the front facing part of the kayak in direction to that. How do you compensate when using a power pole, which is on the back, and maybe you have a crosswind um, that that's making making things difficult. Yeah, it, it definitely can put you in a scenario where you have to really be aware of how you're going util, to utilize the anchor. So sometimes you'll need to you know, c- come in reverse, knowing that the wind is going to flip you around, or sometimes you'll, you'll have to fish across the bow, like you said. Um, but that's another another area where the pro angler the hobie pro angler really shines because it doesn't really matter which way i'm i need to fish in the boat in a traditional sit on top kayak 
you're kind of limited because it's difficult to stand up and maneuver. But with the, the Hobie kayak, I can stand up and fish sideways. I can turn all the way around and fish off the, the stern of the boat. I mean, I'm, I'm totally not limited right. by the position in which I need to cast. So it definitely was a learning curve at first where I would get spun around and I'd be in the wrong position. But uh, after a few times using it, I kind of got it figured out where um, I could figure out which way the current was going or the wind was going and which way it was going to end up making my boat face. And then I would just, I just learned to work with it. So yeah, at first it's a little bit of a disadvantage, but you quickly can figure it out and make it to where it's kind of a moot point. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, that's one of the things that, that popped into mind. Have you ever had any experience? I mean, I know you've got the, the power pole. Have you seen the, the manual power poles that just work on yeah. inertia? Yeah, I've, I've done it a few times. Um, I actually bought the stake, the, the parking pole, as they call them a lot of times. Right. I, I bought that at first, and I was using that in my anchor trolley. So I was putting the parking pole down through the, the ring of my anchor trolley and then kind of positioning that up, you know, forward, forward um uh, the bow or stern depending on the wind and and it worked it just i I just kept watching youtube videos about dudes pushing that little button and the battery motor going uh battery anchor going down and and that was it and i was like man i gotta have one of those and 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 keep in mind you're not limited to just using the 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 power pole i mean if you're in a situation where the wind is really howling or you're fishing a point or some piece of structure where you really have to position your boat in a very specific way you can use both so i still carry a traditional anchor and it lives up in the front hatch of my kayak and if i really really needed to drop the power pole and then put the anchor out of the front i could do that to keep me in in one position i see so the one thing the one thing the hobies are notorious for is being heavy um it's it's uh, one of those that uh, when you buy it they they give you like a lead time before they deliver it so you can work on your core and your, your upper body. <laughs> you got to join a gym first, right? <laughs> <You> gotta... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so it's 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 and I'm not picking when I say this, but it's heavier, it's more expensive, but it's still worth it. For, uh, there's definitely downsides. I mean, definitely. Sure. It, 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 it comes it, with everything. Yeah, have, man, right? it's heavy. It is no joke. I'm actually considering. Um, trading mine in on a different model Hobie just to, to save some of that weight because I've, you know, after using it for three years now, I just feel like I could probably do with us a, a little bit smaller boat. Um, just because I'm, I'm a small guy. I don't need all of that, uh, all that stuff that the pro angler pro angler brings. But if I end up not trading it in and sticking with it, I mean, I'll be happy with it for another another 10 years i mean the the boat is awesome but they're definitely some disadvantage i mean it's a three thousand dollar kayak i mean that's kind of ridiculous to be honest i bought mine used i didn't i didn't pay that for it but um yeah man if you went to the showroom floor and bought a brand new hobie pro angler you're looking at like 3500 bucks i think uh which is which is crazy for a kayak but it's the best i mean they got the best technology they've got it's just it's just it's a superior system um but you do definitely have to pay for it what's the uh weight difference between the hobie and like a your standard like 95 pound kayak 12 footer so a, a hobie my hobie fully fully rigged out ready to fish well not fully rigged out but just the boat the seat the uh the pedal system and a couple of their little small accessories is like 150 pounds. So you're looking at, you know, 
50% increase in weight from a, your traditional sit on top 95 pound kayak. Yeah. So to put that in, in perspective, now mine is not rigged out. Um, so that does influence it probably has probably a 20, 30 pound weight differential on there, but my pursuit, my 13 foot five pursuit is 84. Yeah. Pounds. Well, and I've got a battery in mine. I've got a, so yeah, I've got a battery. I've got a fish finder. Uh, you know, you talk and you add some poles, you add some power, you add yep. all the stuff in there that you really need for a full day of fishing. And I guarantee you I'm at 200 pounds easily. And I think, and I think it, once I fully rigged mine the way that yours is, I bet you, I'd be willing to bet you it's probably a 30-pound Yeah, pound I, I think you're probably right. Um, yeah, yeah. I, for sure. Uh, and there, But again, there's even advantages with that weight because with that weight comes extreme stability. I can stand up in the thing. I can do handstands on it if I wanted to. I mean it's that stable. So there's some benefits to that, and, and it holds better in a wind. You know, those light, those really light kayaks, mm-hmm. they tend to get – pushed around more in the wind my heavier one will will hold a little truer so there's some advantages to the weight too um i i mean my kayak will hold 600 pounds so it me all my gear my bow my rifle whatever i'm taking i could throw deer in the back i mean i've shot multiple pigs and hauled out multiple pigs on the back of this thing so it's uh there's a lot of advantage to having a bigger kayak but there's some significant downsides as well well, if you're going to use that kayak as much as you do, then it's probably worth the investment that you're putting into it. But if Joe Blow is going to go out in a kayak two or three times a year, maybe not use it for hunting or fishing, they're probably not going to want to go for the Hobie. Yeah, maybe not. You know, I I tell people a lot of the times the comparison that people want to make is is getting a new canoe, which I think, Walt, you just picked up a new canoe, didn't you? Yeah. Um, So a lot of times that's kind of the decision that people come down to is either the new canoe or the Hobie. And I think the new canoe is a fantastic product. And, and what I like to say is if you are primarily a fisherman and maybe you're using it for some other things as a, as an, Oh, by the way, kind of, you know, an every now and again, I think you should go with a Hobie. If you are using it primarily as a hunting tool or, camping or you know just water sports i think you probably are better off with the frontier i think the the new canoe rather i think a hobie is a superior fishing vessel but you know that that's just my personal opinion i've never owned a new canoe so maybe maybe they're just as good but my my opinion is that the hobie is a better fishing fishing platform simply because you're hands-free because even in a new canoe you've got to use a trolling motor or a paddle still with the with the hobie that hands-free fishing, it's a big freaking deal. It really is. Well, and, and you know, their um, new canoes dropping this year, their, um, their self-propulsion system as well. Um, but, I mean, just to put them both on equal water, your new canoe pursuit, which is what I have, that's a $1,600. Yeah, kayak. significant difference. When you get there, right, when you get the propulsion system, which I can't speak to whether or not it's going to be better or equivalent or anything like that, but it's another eight to thousand dollars. So at that point, you're looking at two very equivalent units, and I think what it really boils down to is what do you want out of your kayak? If if you want a super stable, known, reliable, everything's right where you want it, they've thought it out for you. I think the Hobie's money. I think I think there's no you can't go wrong with a Hobie. I think if you want just like a like a something that's a cross between a canoe, a canoe and a kayak and it's super open concept and you can make it whatever it is that you want in your super OCD, 
maybe the pursuit or the the new canoe is one of those options. You know, I'm I'm super OCD when something isn't is put somewhere permanently and I can't move it. That annoys me a little bit, and that was one of the reasons why I I like the I have I have appeal for that. Uh, new canoe pursuit is because I can literally make that platform what I want. Now I'm sacrificing that that sweet pedal drive system. So it's f- find something. You know, if you can only afford a $500 kayak and you really want to get out fishing, well, buy that Joker and keep saving and have fun. I mean, I catch fish out of mine. You know, but figure out what works best for you. And we, I think we've pretty well made a case for it for multiple different types. Of I agree, man. I don't think there's a right answer. Um, I think it all no, boils uh-uh. down to what you want. Out of the kayak or the canoe. It's like bows. It's like compound bows, dude. Everybody always asks, well, what, what, what compound bow should I buy? Go shoot them. Yep. Go, go shoot them. Which one do you like most? There's going to be features to every one that you're going to like. There's a lot of great options out there. Go demo them because all your all your outfitters will let you demo. Yeah, them. here's the thing. They're both great products. I don't think you could buy a Frontier yep. or a Hobie and and be upset with either one of them. You're going to be happy right. no matter which right. one you get. And and if and a cost is really an issue, I advise people to to buy used. I bought mine used. You got a deal on yeah. yours, yeah. You got a deal on yours. I got a deal on mine. You know, makes your money go further. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, figure out what's important to you, and like you said, you know, and cost is obviously gonna gonna factor into that big time. You know, for for most people. Um, so if it's a if if budget is the most important thing on on your you know your pro con list then i mean go with go with a use a use sit on top kayak that you can pick up for a couple hundred bucks and use it until yep you know until you just absolutely are ready to upgrade again i mean chase that's kind of what you did man that was my uh, theory behind it i was like well i haven't really got i haven't really done much kayak fishing i've always had a boat and i saw my boat a couple of years ago and i was like well i'll, I'll just buy a kayak because i knew of a bunch of areas from fishing out of my boat and I was like oh I can get there easily with a kayak so I bought the kayak and I was like well I'm going to start off with this one that's I'm buying used probably four or five hundred dollars um, it came with a paddle the life vest all the stuff that you needed to get into kayak fishing I was like well and then if I like it and I'm doing it more and more then maybe I'll think about upgrading later on down the road yeah I think that's a great plan yeah so let's let's shift gears we we, we I think we ran our course on that one um, I, I kind of want to get your opinion. You spend a lot of time in your kayak. I, you know, I consider you one of those people that everything you do in life has purpose. Like it's thought out. You don't just kind of, you're not the kind of guy to just go to the store, grab five different types of baits and run out there and go fishing. You kind of, you're very purposeful with what you do. And because of that, I value your opinion. So in your journey to become a kayak bass fisherman or a kayak fisherman, however you want to slice it up, what are some of the, the lessons that you've learned, maybe essential gear outside of the power pole, but just like set up and, and techniques that work best for you out of a kayak? Man, one of the things that I, I had to learn is that fishing from a kayak is, is quite a bit different than fishing from a, a motorized boat. Uh, you, have to, you have to be more um, thoughtful about the gear that you take with you you have to be more thoughtful about how you approach the fish and the 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 places that you're targeting you know the cover the structure the points mm-hmm. places where you think that the 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 bass are waiting um you have to really think through that a lot more at first yeah now after you've done it a few times become second nature and it, and it's just kind of like a normal thing. So, I mean, now after I've been doing it for three or four seasons now, it's just kind of just 
like fishing. It's not even something that really goes through my mind now, but in the beginning, there's a learning curve for sure. And, um, you know, keeping safety first, always wear your life jacket, your protective gear. I think a lot of people, um, I was guilty of this at first too. You know, I'm just, I'm just fishing on a pond, you know, I don't need to wear a life jacket. Well, that's, that's not the case. You know, very few people wear their personal protective equipment, life jackets and stuff in a, in a bass boat. Um, I know I never did growing up, growing up fishing and stuff with my dad. I mean, we had them in there for the law because the law says you have to have them in there, but we never wore life jackets. You know, I always wear a life jacket now when I go in the water on the kayak, just, just out of safety, um, out of concern for safety. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, like I said, lots of, lots of, there is a lot of, um, things that you have to learn when you first get into it. Uh, Chase, you're probably kind of figuring that out now. Um, it's nothing too crazy complex. It's just you have to be more thoughtful about what you take, where you put it, how your system works for you. Okay, because now I've got a, a big bass hooked. Oh crap! Where's my net? Uh, gosh, how do I get to my net? What side of the boat should I bring the fish to so I can get it out of the water in the most efficient way possible? Um, there's just some things that you have to figure out uh, when you kind of take up this hobby that that are again not very hard, but they do take some time to figure out. So go into those. Give me give me a couple of those. Like what was or give me give me the the number one lesson when it came to organization that that mattered to you in a kayak. What did you do, do to solve it? Well, the number one thing was was having everything in a position where I could get to it efficiently. So when I first okay. started out, I bought this milk crate and I put all my lures and all my tackle and I put everything in it and it was all behind me and it was all bungee down because if I flipped the kayak over, I didn't want to lose it. So, right. so now it came time to switch lures <laughs> and I'm like, well, crap. So I had to get up, turn around, get on my knees in my seat, reach over, grab all the stuff out of the back, pull it back over, you know, change lures, uh, and then put it all back in there. So after that, I said, no, nope, that's not going to work. So I figured out a new way of storing my gear under, under my seat and then utilizing some of the uh, accessories that Hobie has for kind of putting up up in the cockpit area so that was a major one was was figuring out how to be efficient switching out between between lures and then i kind of alluded to it a moment ago but how you use your net so if you if i I got a big a big fish on a lot of times i'm going to use a net and having that in a place where you could get to it quickly and efficiently and not snag it with your treble hooks as you're throwing a rattle trap or something like that. <laughs> That's a learning curve. There were times when I was storing my poles up uh, right behind me and I kept hitting them when I was going to cast and uh, because they were sticking up, you know, seven and a half foot above my head and I'm getting them, getting my lure wrapped up as I'm making big casts behind me. So I had to adjust my casting position and, um, Things like that. That was definitely probably the biggest learning curve for me when I first when I first got into it was was learning how to how to use the kayak efficiently. Yeah, I, I absolutely wrecked uh, a, a rod by catching it on the back cast. Yep. Like I was trying to really zing it. There was a fish out there a ways, and I was like, God, if I can just get this past him, he's he's just chasing something. If I can get something past him, and I reared back and I let it go, dude, and trap wrapped around and as i pulled forward it caught the tip and the eye and ripped the eye and the tip and just snapped the whole thing off and i was like god you gotta be kidding me and then threw the other rod like out of the rod holder and just messed everything up and it's little stuff like that that i feel like you have to do and 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 the best way you can do it is you know obviously experience but you know like go sit out back in your kayak and like pretend like okay i need to change my lure where do i reach kind of thing you know yep um 
But that PFD do that's super super important because I have, as I have gotten more into kayak fishing, um, I was I'm like you, dude. I hated wearing a PFD. Um, the only time I don't wear a PFD when I'm uh, kayak fishing is sometimes when I am like up on like a, a mud bank or something and I'm duck hunting and I'm sitting down and you know I'm on like a there's some lakes that I hunt that there's no power boats. So the chances of getting hit, which I feel like is one of the, the leading risk factors, is kind of kind of minimal. I, I might take it off in favor of camo. But if you're on a lake where there's bass boats running around, there are video after video on YouTube of big boats just completely missing a kayaker out there and, sh- and missing them by, like, maybe only a couple feet, you know? I've seen them. And, and you, need to, you need to put that visipole. That might be a brand, but that, the, uh, the pole, the flag on the back. Um, yeah, that's yeah. a high vis pole on the back. That's an important thing. I always, I always use that as well. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree there. That's, that's huge. So what, um, when you're, when you're bass fishing, do you feel like everything, all the lures and all the gear and, and tactics outside of like where to put stuff, but actual fishing gear, does all that translate easily over to kayak fishing or are there certain styles of fishing for bass that maybe aren't as conducive for fishing from a kayak? I don't think you're really at a disadvantage. Um, I, I, at least I haven't found anything that really a big difference between a traditional bass boat, you know, power boat and a kayak. I mean, you're definitely limited how much water you can cover, but as far as the techniques Mm -hmm. that you can use while on the water, I don't, I don't think I've ever really run into a scenario where I was wanting to do something and I was limited by the kayak. But hmm. I'm not a very good fisherman. I I tell people that oh, all the time. Man. So come on, you're hustling people. Oh no, 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 no. I'm I'm not a very good fisherman. I mean, I throw a cinco ninety <laughs> percent of the time because that's the only well, thing I can do. <laughs> I almost introduced you as uh, the cinco master master uh, because we when we were fishing together, I was like. I remember make, making some comment to you. I was like, hey, dude, I don't know about you, but I've recently found these Cinco's to be really effective. And your eyes, like, lit up. You're like, dude, I've got purple. I've got green pumpkin. I've got water. Dude, I live by Cinco's. In fact, you've got a Cinco video on YouTube. I love them. They, they work. Yeah. And if you're not a good fisherman like me, you can throw a Cinco, and it'll catch fish for you. Hey, Greg, um, where, do, where, did you, um, where did you cut your teeth fishing? I mean, we never even kind of talked about that. Like, where did you, when did you start fishing? When did you decide, hey, I want to start fishing out of a kayak for bass or whatever good you. Good thought. Dude, I grew up fishing, man. Um, my dad was a, is a fishing nut. We, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And dad would literally go out and catch fish for the week. And that's what we would eat. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, he just he he took me and my brother at a young age. I mean, I can remember so many times getting held out of school, and Dad would take us fishing, both <laughs> saltwater and freshwater. I mean, so I just I've been a fisherman just since before I can remember. I mean, I was fishing way before I was hunting, and um, I mean, me and my brother in the summertime we would we would take steel Dad's rods and go off in the woods and go find little little creeks and and fish and i just been doing it forever i didn't pick up kayak fishing until oof until the first time i ever got in a kayak and went fishing i was stationed in upstate new york in fort drum which is on the northeast corner of lake ontario just about 20 miles south of the canadian border um and my neighbor a guy lives a few doors down he had a hobie kayak i'd never even heard of a hobie kayak at that point this was like 2014 2015 time frame 
and uh yeah he introduced me to it and i went out and i tried kayak fishing and i fell in love with it and then the army moved us down here to savannah georgia and i i there's so many there's so many opportunities to fish here i mean you've got you've got uh, saltwater you can go for reds and and trout and inshore stuff you can go you can go out in the ocean you can fish freshwater here there's so many opportunities that i knew i was going to get a boat and i I bought a boat within 60 days of moving here. I, I bought a kayak, and I've been I've been hot and heavy into it ever since. Well, how long do you think it took you to kind of get accustomed to kayak fishing? Did it was it like you went out a few times and you're like, okay, I'm good, or did it take like seven, eight, ten times to where you're like, okay, I feel like I've got everything set up where it needs to be. I'm not going to lose stuff if it falls out of my pocket, or just just different things like that. How long do you think it took you to? like really get into where you, you felt good when you went out on the water with it? I would say I was 80% there after four or five trips, but it took me a solid two seasons to get to where I felt my system was really dialed in. Now that may be surprising, but yeah, I, I probably two years before I felt like, man, I, I have everything right where I want it. I know, you know, I can, I can find my stuff, in the dark blindfolded you know i had my system really dialed in it probably took me a good two seasons to do it um but like i said 80 percent of that you're you're almost there really quickly you know four five six trips out for me at least and then the 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 little nitpicky fine tuning is what really took a while right you probably figured out you were maybe bringing too much in the kayak or Exactly. Yeah, I was bringing too much, and it took me it took me a while to get that figured out. Yeah, I, I could see how a lot. I mean, a lot of that is just so. Uh, it, it's so subject. It's so personal. That's you right. Know, it's one of those things where it's like, where do I like? Because like you, you um, at least you did at one point. You have all your tackle boxes underneath your uh, seat. Yeah. Um, well, and the, even that was a learning curve. I mean, so I had to whittle down what what gear I wanted right under my seat because I still, I still carry that crate in the back that has extra gear, but it took me a while to figure out my fishing style and the things that I was going to use more often. And those things ended up finding the home underneath my seat and the stuff that I'm, you know, only going to use every so often and the extra line and stuff like that. Now that lives behind me where I don't have to access it very often. Right. Well, and like for me, I, I, for some reason, don't like things being under me. Well, it's not for some reason, but I like to try and keep things away from where I'm sitting because I find like there's a lot of water buildup in that area. Like that's when I paddle a lot. There's a lot of water that comes and drips off right there. And with salt water, I don't want all that like on rods and reels. So for me, I kind of like to push like a dry bag up front. So I put every, all my stuff in dry bags so that if I flip and they're all tethered to the kayak. Okay. So if I flip that they're all, you know, it all stays together, you know? Yeah. Um, makes sense. And and I just for me preferably I tried like the under the seat thing, but I felt like I made too much noise, and I just you know it's it's so it's it, kayak fish. The fun part about kayak fishing is figuring out how you want to kayak fish. Oh, it's a blast! And there's no wrong way to do it if you're having fun. I love it. I mean the pers- yeah. the pursuit, the the figuring it out, the engineering of it, the puzzle of it all. Yeah. That oh, is yeah. a lot of fun for me, and not just with kayak fishing, but I I found that me that's just the type of person I am. I I love to think through problems and figure out creative ways to solve them. And kayak fishing was just another way to, for me to do that. No doubt. 
I think yeah. uh, I think one of the things that I kind of learned, like when I went out the other day, is how stealthy you can be in a kayak. Because like if if you have a boat mm-hmm. out, you got your trolling motor running. There, I mean, there's you're making all kinds of noise. But in that kayak, I felt like I could just kind of slowly move into the areas that I wanted to move into. Heck, I even I caught a fish very first cast out of my kayak. I caught like a twenty to twenty one inch redfish on a topwater plug. And I think it, I mean, a lot of it was just me being able to, me being able to sneak into that area. And I, and I knew this area from the past, but sometimes you can't get in there when the tide's not right. You know, tides are, it's all subjective when you got a big boat trying to get into certain areas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just felt like the, the stealthness was good. And I haven't taken it bass fishing yet, but I'm assuming it's kind of the same way where you can kind of be real stealthy getting into some areas uh, with your kayak. Is that true? I think so. I don't, I don't think it's, uh, it's hard to understand why. I mean, it's a smaller profile. It's, it's lower to the water. So your shadow doesn't get cast as far. Um, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, if I'm trying to be stealthy in that kayak, especially with the, the the pedal system, it makes zero noise. Now I'm sure there's Mm -hmm. some noise generated from those fins coming up underneath the water or the fish can maybe feel the vibration, but man, it's just there's just nothing to it. There is no noise at all. Well, do you carry? A, is there a paddle on your kayak as well? You have a cat, a paddle on it, so you could probably kind of. I mean, you could quit using the foot pedals and just kind of barely paddle just a little bit with your paddle if you really wanted to be stealthy to get into areas as well. Absolutely, I've done that a lot. I fished the lake in uh, in down in Florida called Lake Panasofsky, uh-huh. which is down near uh, Orlando. And the water was like crystal clear. And I ended up standing up and pulling a lot with my paddle um, because I felt like that was the, the stealthiest way to get through there. So one of the things that people really hone in on, and this has been the biggest thing that people have said to me is, you know, well, kayaking, you know, it's great. I've got a bass boat. Yes, it's a lot of work. But if I need to get from one end of the lake to the other end of the lake, I can do that in like 3.5 seconds because I can get this thing up to 90 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So the the kayak obviously has a drawback there in that you've got a paddle to get to where you're going. You can't cover an entire lake, especially if you, you know, you, the lake is, you know, 10,000 plus acres. You're not going from one end to the other end effortlessly. And if you're fishing a tournament, you certainly are losing time in doing so. What advantages does a kayak bring to an angler who um, covering water or tournament fishing is important to them? What does the kayak bring that the bass boat doesn't? Mm. I don't know, man. I, I would say that's a significant disadvantage of a kayak is the, is, is if you have to cover water, um, you know, if the, if it's a tough bite and you really got to cover a lot of ground to find the bite in a, you know, tournament scenario. Yeah, man. I think that's a significant disadvantage to a kayak. Um, but I mean, there are lots of other advantage. I mean, it costs, it costs me precisely $0 to go out and kayak. If you want to take your boat out there, you, it's gonna, you've got to pay for fuel, oil, maintenance on your motor, etc. I mean, I don't have to deal with that. I don't even have a trailer, so I don't have to worry about the bearings going out on my trailer, which I've had to do before when I had a boat. Um, paying the bearings, I don't have to register it to pay the taxes on the boat. I mean, there's a lot of financial advantages to doing a kayak, but yeah, if you have to cover water, I mean, you can get some of the trolling motor systems that they have for the kayaks and, and use a trolling motor. But even that is, you know, quite a bit slower. And you're, like you said, well, you're not going to fish a big lake. You know, you're not going to fish a significant portion of the lake. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think one of the, the biggest advantages is there are places in, in lakes you can get in a kayak you can't get in a bass boat. That's right. And I've seen some some little pockets that are, you know, the water level, let's say it's Let's say it's the there's like a berm three or four feet wide. Well, you might not want to take your fiberglass boat and blow over that. I've seen people do it, but you might not want to, whereas you can get out of the kayak and tug, tug that joker over that, that berm and, and hit the other spot instead of having to, you know, fish other parts of the lake. So I, I, I think, you know, what? how much does a bass boat run? 50 grand? 60 grand? Yeah, I mean, if you bought a brand new one, yeah. But, I mean, you yeah. can get them cheap, but, yeah, I, mean, I mean, you can get you can get a, you know, an aluminum boat with uh, a little 20 horsepower motor for not very much money, right. you know, a few thousand bucks. Right. right. Well, so, so you're looking at a thousand dollars a year in maintenance. Cause something that always goes wrong. Oh, for sure. See, I mean, yeah. it, 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 the biggest advantage is cost. <laughs> Everybody knows that a boat is a money pit. There's just no right. two yeah, ways right. around it. It just is. Yeah. And you can get out in that boat and go to crank it up and it may not crank up the day you decide to go fishing. And then, I mean, you're done for the yep. day where you take that kayak out. You're, I mean, you're still going out there. There is no key or anything. It's just bam, ready to go. So you don't, you don't have to worry about all yep. of the nuances that comes with a boat. Cause I've, I've been there. I've gotten out to a spot where I'm ready to go fishing and then boom, next thing you know, there's something wrong with the boat and I'm going right back in and didn't do any fishing that day. You know, I, I think, you know, depending on your personality, I, I don't think you can, understate the being more connected to nature i mean you're closer to the water you're you're Mm -hmm. basically sitting right on top of it you're not disturbing your natural environment with a big outboard motor it's it's quieter it's stealthier you don't spook game um it's just something something about it that i feel more in tune with my environment in a kayak versus a boat now that might not be important to some people which is fine for me it is i i like feeling like i'm less intrusive into nature that matters to me and i think in that regard a kayak really shines yeah no i agree with you there for sure there's advantages to everything but sure if you want to be a serious bass angler it's it's much more affordable to be a kayak a serious kayak bass angler than it is going to be to be a serious bass boat bass angler. <laughs> yeah, and and, yeah. and I don't mean to come across as that I'm knocking, you know, traditional bass bass boats. I, I'm not. I mean, I I think they're great. They're they're fun. They're fast. They're you know, enable you to fish a lot of water that you couldn't do in a kayak. So definitely, you know, pros and cons. I just happen to enjoy the kayak aspect more than I would, you know, a traditional bass boat. But yeah, hey, if, if if you like the big motors and stuff, by all means, man, I'm definitely not knocking that. Yeah, I mean, I think with a kayak, you, you just kind of, maybe you just have to plan a little bit more. You may find different access to get to some of those spots uh, that, that you're trying to get to that you may not be able to access from the boat ramp because it'll take you so long, but you may be able to come in from the backside somewhere and get right in on that area so you you can drag a kayak i mean to certain areas you don't need a ramp to launch so i mean to me that's kind of like an advantage in itself there's plenty of places that you might be able to launch that that's true. you can get to yeah. some of these yeah. back areas that some of the boats can't get to 100 percent. i fished a lot of those places places that you just you flat out cannot access any other way than with a you know, a human powered fishing vessel, a canoe, a kayak. Yep. There's just no, uh, it's not possible. You can't cover it from the bank 
you can't get a traditional boat in there. And the only way to get there is to access by land with a canoe or a kayak. And those places are a lot of times dynamite fishing. Oh yeah. They're, well, and, and there, there's still lakes that you can't fish with a motor. That's right. So you're missing out on those opportunities and a lot that deters a lot of people, dude. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there used to be an area where I, I used to have a John boat, just a little John boat. It didn't have a motor or anything on it, but I could carry it to this one little pond that uh, nobody was hitting. And there'd al- I'd always kind of end up catching maybe like a five to seven pound bass out of there because it hadn't been fished in forever because everybody kind of overlooked it. Uh-huh. And I was like, man, this is, uh, I said, this ain't too bad. And you would just kind of be out there with a little paddle. I mean, there wasn't much to go, but you kind of, you couldn't quite fish it from the shore. You st- you kind of had to get out there with the boat a little bit. And when, when you can get out there and just make a cast in a couple of areas, I remember one day I was throwing this buzz bait. It was early in the morning and hitting it across the water and bam, got slammed. And it was a seven and a half pound bass that slammed it. And I was like, well, I wouldn't have been able to do this any other way other than if I would have drugged this little uh john boat a uh, hundred yards that i had to drag it through the the woods to get to this little area so i think like i said i think there's plenty of advantages to a kayak absolutely and you know if 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 money weren't an object if i i'd probably have both i'd probably have me a nice ranger boat and a kayak and i'm sure i would enjoy both of them oh yeah, yeah. no doubt yeah <laughs> and you and and you'd look back and and uh, take the bass boat out and it wouldn't work and you'd cuss and swear that you'd never take it back out again. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, or I'd get the insurance bill and the gas bill and go, man, what the crap. But I guess in this scenario, money isn't a thing, so I wouldn't True. be worried. Well, yeah, when tethered gets big enough, when you and you take your yacht out, you can bring me and Walt can come along and we'll 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 bring our kayaks <laughs> in your yacht and then we'll fish for like you see these people fishing offshore yeah. for like grouper and albacore too. Sailfish fish yeah. and everything else so <laughs> be perfect deal be perfect. as soon as as soon as i buy a yacht you guys are the first ones invited to go on it. no one's gonna be rooting more for you than me <laughs> take that ernie uh, that's funny <laughs> i'm just kidding ernie. Yeah, that's like funny you, oh man well so let's let's shift gears here um i wanted to talk about your trip up in new york now you, while we were hanging out, you brought this up yourself, like while we were fishing about how much fun you had up there. So you did this um, adventure that I think very few people consider doing, and maybe this speaks to, to the uh, capabilities uh, and versatility that a kayak can bring. You went on a multi-day fishing trip through what you described as just the most gorgeous lake you've ever been on. Does it? Do you still feel that way? Oh, yeah. That was... Uh... That was a trip I'll never forget. And if I can't do it this summer, I'm doing it next summer, 2020, without a doubt, for sure. So tell, so tell us a little bit about that. Man, so this was not only the one of the most incredible trips that I've been on in, in the outdoors, but it was also quite an achievement from a, uh, a husband and a father's standpoint, the way I was able to finagle this trip. Hopefully my wife never listens to this podcast. Um but we were, we took our kids up to. Uh, I love we, it we when people say stuff like that. But she doesn't have to listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just don't. Yeah, don't don't listen to this one. Um, it was glorious, man. So we were we like I said earlier, we were stationed up in upstate New York, um, way up there near the Canadian border, for a few years, and then Uncle Sam moved us down south. And our kids wanted to go to summer camp with their friends uh that summer that we moved down to georgia so we drove the kids back up to 
the Adirondack Mountains in New York, and they went to camp for a week. And somehow, I, oh, I still don't know how I pulled this off. It's amazing. I'm patting myself on the back right now just thinking about it. <laughs> but I dropped the kids off at summer camp, somehow talked my wife into going and spending a week with her friends uh, back where we used to live. And she gave me a week to myself in the mountains on the boat in a lake. It was unreal. And so I, I launched the kayak at Cranberry Lake in the Adirondacks in upstate New York. And for a week, I just paddled around and fished. And when I was hungry, I would cook a fish. And when I was tired at the end of the day or starting to get dark, I would just pull off to a campsite, and throw my hammock up and sleep and wake up in the morning and do it all over again. It was, it was a phenomenal trip. I cannot wait to do it again. What fish were you going for? Because when I think of New York, I don't think of bass. I think like, like walleye, smallmouth, pike, trout. What what were you, what what were you targeting while you were up there? I was targeting smallmouth, and I ended up catching okay. mostly small smallmouth. I caught a few largemouth and a few pike, but I would say it was eighty percent smallmouth. And I am not a smallmouth fisher. I mean, I grew up in Florida. Um, I spent most of my life in the deep south um so the three years that i lived in upstate new york was the only time i'd ever lived anywhere where i even had the opportunity to catch a smallmouth Um, so that was a blast kind of learning that new species and smallmouth pull and fight so much harder than largemouth do it's you catch a two pound smallmouth and you think you've got a five pound largemouth on there i mean they they really really fight yeah man they fight really really hard um but more than the fishing was just being out there. Nobody bothered me. It was like in July. I saw a few a few other people, but for the most part, I mean, I had the lake to myself. It was it was amazing, man. It was really a good trip. And like I said, I would I would fish all day, and uh, I I cooked some fish, and and then at at night I would just pull off off the side of the lake and go find a couple of trees and pitch my hammock or i'd go to a, one of the established campgrounds that they have around the lake they have dozens and dozens of lake uh, campsites around the lake and i was using onyx maps to mark them and i would go and if i was close enough i would just go stay at one of the one of the campsites it was awesome man it was really a, a really a fun trip and and to do it with a few buddies that would be awesome I mean, I was by myself, so I, I slept by myself um, every night, but it would have been wicked cool to have a few a few folks join me for the trip. Well, how long is that drive? Yeah, that's basically an invite <laughs> if you weren't if you weren't smelling what from, I was From the video, it was like 1,200 miles, correct? Wasn't it somewhere around like 1,200 miles from where you're at in Georgia? Oh. Yeah, it was 1,200 worth it miles. Yeah, I mean, were you, you had the time because you, you said you spent five days on the water. Was it five days total? I think it was. I think it was five five nights, maybe uh, four nights. Five, I can't remember four or five nights. This was two years ago. I, I didn't spend much money. I mean, yeah. virtually virtually free. I mean, I ate I ate bass at night. I mean, I had some. I brought freeze dried meals with me. <laughs> Dude, that cut out perfectly. Why don't Why don't you start over on that? Because I'm the one recording your voice, and it said I uh, I ate ass. So. Yeah, I think the B did actually cut out of there. 
<laughs> yeah, go ahead. Say so that you again. did have company. Yeah, never a dull moment around here. Okay, so it was cheap. You ate. Yeah, I ate the fish that I caught every night. You know, for dinner at night, I would. I mean, it was. The, field to plate right it was awesome i mean it was great um i the weather was really bad uh i videoed the whole trip essentially and i got some i got into some really bad weather so that wasn't a ton of fun but i mean other than the rain it was just a total blast yeah i mean it looked like you had a lot of fun even during like the filming process getting everything set up uh, I mean, you had a smile on your face the entire video, and you were laughing. So, I mean, it, it had to be fun. I'm telling you, man, I would do it. I wish I could do it every summer. I really do. It was that much fun. I would go back to that same lake. The lake was huge. I mean, I wanted to um, cover the whole lake, and I, I didn't even get to cover probably half of what I what I wanted to. Um, it's so big. Um, but it was just – there was just I, no downsides. I think the coolest thing to that video for me, man, was watching you like at first I was like, okay, he's putting on a show because like every time you caught a fish, you were just like over the moon about it. But you were just living in the moment, man, like having like having watched those videos to the fullest and having having uh, heard you now. It's just evident to me that you were just utterly living in the moment, having an absolute time of your life remote eating fish, man. Like my dad used to tell me all the time we grew up, you know, you know where the Satilla River is. Yeah. He used to take his spring break, and he'd go out there in a john boat with his buddies, and they'd catch brim. They'd take like a 30-pound sack of cornmeal, and they would literally just eat whatever they caught. Yeah. They'd go dig up their worms. They'd do the thing. And he always talked about that. When I watched that video with you in it, I was like, God, man, this dude is like straight up living the dream right now. It really was. It really was. I mean, it was one of the most memorable outdoors experiences i've ever had and you know i grew up hunting and fishing and camping and hiking and all that stuff and that trip being out there alone i think honestly being alone is a unique experience most people sure don't go anywhere where they're alone with themselves doing whatever they want to do for five days um on a lake with no distractions no cell service. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of fun. And I think being alone really added to um, the experience. It would be a lot of fun to do it with other people, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem in the world or, you know, or, or any reservations about going and doing it alone again. It was, it was that much fun. Awesome. Well, as far as I'm concerned, count me in, we're going to have to figure out when we can do this, but I am building a kayak trailer, which will be su- uh, perfectly suited to take uh, the three of our kayaks up that way. So, uh, Well, and the beautiful part about going, it, it's a long way, but the beautiful part about being up there is you're in the mountains, so the weather's better. You know, if you did a kayak fishing trip in July down here, it would be fairly miserable. I mean, you're dealing with the snakes and the freaking mosquitoes and how hot it would be. I, I don't know that it would be as much fun, but I mean, up there, the weather, it was cool at night. It was like in the sixties. Right, right. I mean, it was glorious. Yeah. That was, I meant to ask you like how, how that was. Cause I noticed, I was like, well, was there, was there mosquitoes or what, at what time of the, was it this time of the year when you went up there? Or when was it? I think it was like, I think it was late July. I think, um, 
I don't know. It's it's I could go back and look, but I think it was late July and I didn't have any problems with bugs. Uh, it, I got rained on, but other than that, the weather was it was comfortable. It was cool at night, so I didn't have any problems sleeping. I mean, it was it was a really good experience. What was the um What was the biggest fish you caught while you're out there? I mean, just asking. Man, I didn't catch any. Well, I caught. I had a giant pike on, like giant, that ended up breaking me off. Um, uh-huh. But big pike. The biggest bass I caught was I don't know maybe maybe four pounds i didn't catch any real monsters i caught a lot of two and three pounders like a lot of them um one four one four five pounder and that was that was the biggest one that i caught but I, again i'm not a smallmouth angler so i could have been doing it completely wrong i was basically using largemouth tactics that i know knew about from fishing in georgia and so i could have totally been screwing it up yeah well i mean smallmouth don't I mean, what do they get? Like 10, 11 pounds is probably about the biggest as a smallmouth bass gets. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know if you catch a – I don't a, even think it's that big. I, I think it's like closer to like seven, eight pounds is like an absolute – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, like I mean, I, I know if you catch like a five-pound smallmouth, you've done something. And so now that I say that, I would say the the one that I caught was probably more like four pounds because it wasn't, it wasn't a monster. Um, but I know this five-pound smallmouth. When you catch a five-pound smallmouth, you're doing something. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I had never uh, caught smallmouth, so let's load up the boats and go up there. Let's go this summer, right? Right now, right? Like this week? Mm, seems like a little early. Probably a little cool. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. Let's 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 for sure find a, a way to put this on the calendar because I'm I'm so down. It's not even funny. Yep, I'm excited. So we have, I think, hit about. We've hit about an hour, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, you've got uh, a business to run and, and uh, work that's clearly running you ragged from our, our conversations earlier. So I want to – I came up with this on the fly, Chase, uh, but I want to hit Greg with some rapid-fire questions. What do you think? Oh, that sounds great to me. Go for it. <laughs> All right, you ready for this? Let's do it. And I, and I literally mean I just came up with these like 30 seconds ago. I was like, God, Greg would be a great guy to test this on. Soft plastics or, or a spinning bait? Soft plastics. World record largemouth bass or world record redfish? Bass. Really? Yeah. Cinco or curly tail? Cinco. Spinning, spin caster versus bait caster? Ooh, I like them both. Uh, I feel cooler when I fish with a bait caster, though. <laughs> power pole or fish finder power pole i don't know how to use a fish finder i have one but i don't know what the hell i'm looking at <laughs> you just stare at it to look cool yeah. get cool points <laughs> crankbait or topwater topwater saddle or kayak Ooh. you have to use one for the rest of your life Ooh, i'm gonna have to say kayak Ooh. okay okay Wow, that's uh, I didn't expect that, man. I really figured you'd go back to the saddle. Well, that's, that's dope, dude. But but the kayak though, you can use that year round. I can use it year round. The, the saddle, I'm limited to the fall. True. <laughs> so that's why. I hear you. I hear you. Next fishing trip, you and I go on for bass. Do you want to fish Lake Talquin by me, or do we want to try and redeem ourselves on Fort Stewart? Let's go to Talquin. Talquin, it is. Final question. Can you beat Chase and I in a kayak bass fishing tournament? That's so easy. That's not even really a question. <laughs> so, no. 
Thank you. <laughs> I basically already won. That's it. That's true. I, I tell you what, I'm going to rig this to where there's no Cinco's involved, and then we've got a, a fighting chance. Yeah, dude, let's yeah, have a tournament. Let's do it. I'm ready. All right, dude. Well, listen. I think we have to to follow this up at some point by getting you on here and talking about saddle hunting. I mean, for Christ's sakes, you, you've got a, a saddle hunting company. So uh, you were the guy that originally got me hooked on saddles. In fact, your YouTube videos were the ones that got me going. We reached out before uh, before I even knew about Tethered, and we were talking back and forth about saddle hunting. Um, so if, if you do us a uh, uh, do us the, the kindness to come back on the show and talk saddle hunting at some point moving forward, dude. I, I know our listeners would love to hear from you. Yeah, I'd love to do it, man. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear it because I, I haven't officially gotten into saddle hunting myself, but I want to. So yeah. uh, that'd be a, a great podcast. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. This will be Chase's uh, maiden voyage in a kayak this upcoming fall. Let's, uh, let's do the saddle, saddle hunting podcast together live after we fish Lake Talquin. Dude, Perfect. money. Money in the bank. That is that is pure gold, my friend. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Hang on one second. I'm going to wrap this up, but I want to chat with you afterwards. You got it, man. Guys, epic podcast. I told you we had a, a freaking legend on the podcast. He didn't disappoint. I know that you just you, you're you're so excited having left this podcast. You're 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 gonna go buy a Hobie, and if you do so, tell your wife ahead of time. Don't surprise her with that one because that uh, that might that might come with some sticker shock. But in all seriousness, guys, get outside. The weather's starting to warm up across the country. Fishing's starting to heat up. Turkey season is in full bore for probably half the country right now. And if you're still holding out, it's got to be coming here shortly. Unless you're Pennsylvania, sorry, Preston, you got to wait till May. So until next time, guys. Y'all get outside, enjoy the outdoors, and we'll catch you later.